welcome back to Truth of Our Youth, the Ultimate Venial Podcast. Today, we're going back to 1992 to talk about the iconic film, Wayne's World. We'll laugh, we'll cry, you'll hurl. Hello and welcome everyone back to Truth of Our Youth, the Ultimate Zenial Podcast. I am Steve Wozniak, sitting virtually across from Marty Vidic. How are you? I am wonderful as usual, Stephen. How are you? I am fine. We uh, we apologize to everyone. We were MIA for a couple of weeks here. We had uh, vacations. I well, I was moving, and then work stuff and excuses you don't care about. And now right. we are here. We have our. I don't know if you can hear that. Got a little, got a little whiskey here. I'm temporarily set up in in my garage. It might be a little echoey. Marty is in a new little studio space, but you know we will, we will get through this together. We'll soldier on. Mm-hmm. So cheers, first of all. Cheers. Yep. All right. Clink. <clears throat> so yeah, like Marty mentioned, we are talking about Wayne's World. Um, now I've, I guess the what 1992. Yep. So I was, Christ, eight. Yep, I was this, 10. Yeah, when this came out, and I remember my dad getting back from the theater. I think my grandparents were probably watching us. And, uh, you know, my mom and dad and some of their friends or um, cousins or whatever went to the theater, and they came back, and their face hurt. They were laughing so hard. And it was – it was uh, uh, that was the first time that I remember, like, my parents coming home and telling me, you know, uh, uh, about a movie experience for them that was so – so hilarious and so um alive in in the in the room and it it just seemed like something that you know i didn't care about them but a few years later when i did watch it i got it yeah and that's a great point uh when i saw it i was i think 11 so i didn't see it until it came out on vhs you know i didn't know what it was um but i watched it and fell in love with it and i watched it over and over and over and over again until i had to return it to blockbuster video right later in life of course i would purchase a copy i own a copy now on you know apple mm-hmm. because i got rid of all the media which right that that was a hard thing to do sure but it's a sketch from saturday night live that they made into a full length feature film and mike myers was the creator of the sketch and the character of wayne And Dana Carvey was added when it came to Saturday Night Live because Dana at that time was the bigger star of the two of them. And that caused some animosity between Myers and and, uh, Dana Carvey because Myers didn't want to share the the spotlight with Dana Carvey on this character he had created and this persona that he had been using uh, in his stand-up routines and things of that nature throughout the years. Right. Yeah, and and it's funny. I read that after the fact, and that's just, it's just a testament to pro actors. You did the, none of that comes across at all. They are very much a believable um, best friend duo. Oh, absolutely, and you can see that they've been lifelong friends. They hang out with a bunch of guys that are just like them. These whatever you want to call them, grunge rockers, These um, little metalheads. They look like um, yeah. they auditioned for Airheads. Yeah, no, it does look like that. The um, there are a lot of cameos in the movie. You got uh, Ed O'Neill playing the manager of Stan Makita's Donuts. You mm-hmm. got Meatloaf in the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Alice Cooper, you know, <laughs> towards the end. Lots mm-hmm. of uh, lots of really good people dropped into this one, and they all. I think Meatloaf is probably the the lamest of the cameos, sure. but Alice Cooper in that movie and Ed O'Neill in that movie are hilarious. 
Yeah, they are Ed O'Neill, and it's such a unnecessary part in the movie, and it's one of the most memorable uh, parts for me. I, I remember um, one of his quotes uh, here, or his little quips. I wrote out on a piece of gaff tape and stuck it on the refrigerator at work. <laughs> and I work with some younger people who aren't really familiar with the movie, and they just think I'm a crazy person. Yeah, and I watched it Which again. Well, of, of course, but I watched it again today, um, and it's probably the first time in I don't know six months I probably watched it. Right, and it's it's not dated so much as just the the things they say and their personas aren't really relevant to you know the the times today. Um, the vernacular, no, it's, the, it's, it's deeply entrenched in the in the in the '90s culture. It, it's very much a a, a a time capsule. Yeah, it really is, and and that was one of the main things that I noticed watching it again. And this was the film that really made me appreciate Mike Myers. Uh, he's one of my favorite Saturday Night Live guys. I love pretty much all the comedy movies. He made some really poor choices later in his career, like after. Mm -hmm. Austin Powers and and the Wayne's World stuff, um, where things weren't <laughs> things weren't going as well, right? Um, but those those films, the Austin Powers, the Wayne's Worlds, um, so I married an axe murderer. He was one of my favorite comedians, actors uh, growing up as a kid. You know, yeah, sure. And <clears throat> to your point, when uh, you were talking about, I mean, he they were trying to, you know, or Mike Myers was trying to actually write Dana Carvey out of this altogether. Um, and maybe that's Garth is there. He's ever present in in the film, and he his his all of his lines together must have been a page and a half. He doesn't <laughs> say much, but he has such impact and is so hilarious and has little idiosyncrasies about him. And it's not the movie without him. So it's no, it's definitely not. And I mean, they're a duo, right? You don't you don't think about Wayne's World. You're think you're talking about Wayne and Garth. It's not right. you know Wayne. Right. Um, but apparently from a couple of different movies and things that I've read, Mike Myers is kind of a dick to work with. Um, he's very controlling. Yeah. I read something about um, they had wanted to use a Guns N' Roses track instead of Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. And Myers literally threatened to leave the project over right. just a song choice. Yeah. Um, so he that does seem a little high maintenance. I, he he um, recently did a podcast with, uh, with Conan O'Brien um, and in speaking of his, his career and, you know, waxing poetic on him, on himself, mm -hmm. um, he was, you know, I guess you could say he was speaking very matter of factly, but the guy is just so confident in what he's done and what he brings to the table. Um, but in a not very humble sort of way. So like, that's why I almost hate watching movies and having a preconceived notion about, you know, what a person is like. And then, you know, it's, it's like when you meet someone that you look up to or you meet a celebrity or an athlete, like, man, well, this guy's a dick. And that's kind of what he reminds me of. But, you know, he's earned it. Yeah, he's earned it. And, I mean, you hear that kind of stuff about all kinds of actors that they're, you know, fairly high maintenance. Did, did they mention Conan writing for SNL overlapped with Mike oh, Myers? Yep. Show. Yep. Okay. I couldn't remember if he was still there, if he was with The Simpsons or, or what Conan was doing at that point. Right. But yeah, so they make this, you know, full-length feature film out of this bizarre little sketch on Saturday Night Live of two chimps on a Davenport in a basement. Mm -hmm. um, they bring in some star power in Rob Lowe, who at this time was still 
trying to get out from his, you know, sex tape scandal, um, which back then was, you know, that was a, that was a bad thing back then. Now right. pretty much 90% of celebrities have them. It's a prerequisite. You have to. Yeah. Have yeah. I'm pretty sure you have to have that to get into Hollywood at this point. Mm-hmm. So they come up with this interesting plot. I mean, the, the plot of the movie is, is fairly generic, but it's one of those movies that much like Ferris Bueller breaks the fourth wall and you get that direct interaction with the character and the, you know, the Zach Morris style timeout kind of things where right. he's talking to the camera, he's, he's talking to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that brings a lot to the movie itself because it, it helps to move the plot along, but in a comical way, you know, they're, they're stopping uh, towards the end of the movie when he loses Garth, he, they get in a fight and Cassandra leaves and uh, he quits the show or gets fired from the show and he just starts bitching and the camera guy just starts walking away. He's like, well, okay, come back, come back. It's okay. Right. I'll figure something out. Right. So I love that kind of stuff. Uh, breaking the fourth wall, that, that thing. The well, yeah, the you feel like you feel like you're part of the ride. You feel like you're, you're, you're part of their crew and it's literally called Wayne's world. The, the fourth right. wall is violated. So, uh, so much and so extensively that it's, you don't even, you don't even notice it. Yeah. And it's obvious that when Rob Lowe comes along and he wants to purchase the, purchase the rights or purchase Wayne's world to put it on an actual network instead of mm-hmm. public access they are taken advantage of by the, you know, smooth talking guy from probably New York or, you know, wherever he's likely from. And Garth uh, does that little bit where he knocks the pen over and crawls under the table Mm -hmm. and starts telling the story about the twilight zone where the guy's head exploded and oh yeah, completely irrelevant. Yep. But also hilarious. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Rob Lowe, he just has that, it, it was, it was perfect casting. He just has that, uh, that very, uh, slick, you know, kind of a snake oil salesman sort of, yep. uh, sort of vibe and, uh, you know, Mr. Steal Your Girl kind of thing. And, you know, they're walking <laughs> around the, uh, the, the babe lair and yeah. going through the books, how to pick up women, how to meet women. Purchase yeah. feeble access cable show and exploit it. Yeah. Hate to be those guys. Hate to be those guys. <laughs> Uh, but we're we're skipping ahead a bit, but we have to talk about Tia Carrere because this is the first oh, yeah. thing I ever see Tia Carrere in, and I had a huge crush on her when I was 11, watching right. Wayne's World. Right. And looking back today, just looking at the outfits, especially mm-hmm. when she's on stage and playing with the band, and um, they're they're extremely dated, but also right. you know fairly revealing, especially for the 90s. I was okay with it. Yeah. Um, but she did all the the singing for all those band, you know, things they do. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually does perform that stuff, and that's a credit. She's got a pretty cool voice. Yeah, yeah, she yeah she howls for sure. Um, I did not I did not realize that. Uh, I was actually thinking about that. I'm like, man, pretty uh pretty aggressive for. But I guess that's her. That's kind of cool. I didn't know that. No, it is cool. And and she actually does. I think she did put out an album at some point, just like uh, Ashley from Fresh Print. Fresh Prince, uh, she tried to get her music career to take off through the show, right. which didn't work out for her either. Right. And it didn't work out for Tia. Um, right. But she brings a very unique character to this film. I mean, she's she's Cantonese. She's in a band. Um, her and Wayne have, you know, a lot in common, I guess. But the matchup seems absurd. Right. Um, I'll never forget the one scene in the movie where he's not wearing his hat. 
right. when they're like in bed or whatever. Oh, his, his hair, hair looks so huge. Oh, it's so tragic. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but then you know Benjamin uh, right. gets his hooks in the band as well. So they now have this guy that is managing each of their very different careers. Right. Um, but has also very much taken an interest in Cassandra. Right. Um, and wants to, you know, take, take care of that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, and it's, it's like you said, the, the, the storyline is very predictable and it's fairly, and it's fairly blase, but that's kind of not the, not the point of the movie. It's, um, I think my favorite part about this is just so how, deeply entrenched these guys are in 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 pop culture they filter everything they do see say through the lens of their favorite movies and their favorite bands and everything is a reference to something else which is it's a very cool snapshot in time sort of thing which is you know does it hold up now or come can you really compare the time periods and can people dress like that speak like that now no but it's that's that's kind of not the point. It's it's pretty cool the uh, you know how how these guys are just so unapologetic about we're gonna we're gonna live our life in our own little world and we're gonna be happy with it and you know come along for the ride. Uh, yeah, and the other thing about like you're saying being ingrained in things, the mm-hmm. the movie does a great job of poking fun while also doing the same exact thing that they're poking fun at. Right. Uh, best example of that is the scene where Rob Lowe is given Mike Myers the business about the show and he's talking about the sponsor and Mike Myers mm-hmm. is just saying, you know, well, Wayne is saying, I don't think I need to sell out as he holds the piece of pizza over the Pizza Hut box. Right. Um, Doritos. The Doritos, the Pepsi, mm-hmm. Garth is dressed head to toe in Reebok. That's a killer look. Sometimes I think people only do things for money and that's just really sad. <laughs> um, and then the Nuprin. Yeah, little which, yellow, yellow, different with the black and white hand, right. which was that was Newprin's <laughs> thing. Now it's probably the equivalent of you know our parents talking about Anison or one of those medicines that no longer exists. Oh my God, Anison! Yeah, people aren't going to get that joke um, anymore. You know, they're not mm-hmm. going to understand that Newprin was a was a thing. <laughs> right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, we're going to step away for a quick minute here. We will be right back in a minute. Refresh your cocktail. See you in a sec. Hi, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Thank you for listening to Truth of Our Youth, the ultimate Zenial podcast. We hope that you're enjoying the show, and we hope that you will go to wherever you like to listen to podcasts and look for Truth of Our Youth. Make sure you give us a rating, hit the subscribe button, find us on Facebook, suggest topics and things that we can talk about in the future. If you want to be on the show, let us know. We'll find some time to fit you. Thanks, preppies. Hello, everyone. We are back. Thank you for tuning in to Truth of Our Youth, the ultimate Zenial podcast. I am Steve. This is Marty here. We're talking about Wayne's World again. Sorry for our absence the last couple of weeks. We weren't being lazy. We weren't hungover. Well, we were hungover a few times that had nothing to do with our lack of uh, content. But, you know, just had some stuff going on. Now we're back at it. And, uh, you know, we're going to have some special guests coming up here in the next couple of weeks. We'll uh, keep you guys posted on all that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's drink and talk about Wayne's World. Um, I'm, I'm way ahead of you. Actually, I think we're pretty much uh, even right now. No, I found a bottle of Gentleman Jack in one of the moving boxes when we got to the house. Score! It's like, yeah, like, yeah, here's, here's one for future Steve. 
Right. So we were talking about some of the the things they poke fun at and the shameless plugs, uh, you know, for the advertising. Mm -hmm. But they also talk about or they bring characters that were relevant at that time into the movie when he's, you know, flying down the road in the Mirthmobile. Right. And he gets pulled over and it's, was it Robert Patrick that played the T-1000? Yep. Yeah. Pulls him over. Have you seen this boy? Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that today when i say it it holds up kind it holds up for our generation Mm -hmm. but that joke is going to make very little sense to a teenager today right unless they're familiar with how popular terminator 2 was when it came out you know oh yeah well and terminator i think had come out maybe just a year before so it was the perfect Mm -hmm. time to you know really to really capitalize on that sort of i love that kind of stuff yeah and the other instance or another instance i should say not just the other but when they're backstage at the Alice Cooper concert mm-hmm. and they go out the wrong door and there's Chris Farley as right. a security guard over explaining this Mr. Big Guy. And mm-hmm. he says, oh, he drives everywhere, hates to fly. He's going to this town and he's coming back through Chicago before he heads to Detroit. And they stop and they go, well, for security guard, that guy had a lot of information. <laughs> Hopefully it's relevant later. <laughs> then, right. You know, obviously, when it does come to fruition, you oh, wait, mm-hmm. that guy said Mr. Big was coming back up here. Seemed extraneous at the time. <laughs> I'm glad he shared that information. Oh, yeah. It was like the, uh, the, uh, the, what was his name? The amusement park guy in the beginning of the movie. Mr. Old Man Withers. Old Man Withers. Yeah. Just, yeah. you know, that, that, that kind of, that kind of Scooby Doo shit I really yeah. like. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, my, what makes me feel warm and fuzzy about Wayne's World is it's a very, you know, idyllic um you know uh it's like what an outsider's view of aurora illinois would be you know you're driving in in a beat-up car you know past your businesses uh, that that are that are all run down um you're you're with all your boys you're listening to music you know you're living with your parents doing a cable access show and you end every evening with coffee and donuts and that's that's pretty that's that's pretty fun and that's pretty wholesome and it's a little different than you know the, the way things are now it's a very harmless sort of uh you know lifestyle that they that they seem to be living and it's you know refreshing almost to watch that kind of stuff now yeah at the time you you kind of think these guys are really cool and now that you're you know 30 years older or however that math works out uh 28 years older i guess um (laughs) you look at it and you're like man i don't the other thing is how old are they supposed to be I would guess they're supposed to be in like their 20? late 20s. Late 20s. Like still living at home. Like, so I don't know. So I guess they missed the boat. They're clearly not in college anymore. No, not yeah. in college anymore. No, not in college anymore, Marty. <laughs> don't you forget it. Um, so, yeah, so I would say mid, mid to late 20s they're supposed to be. Yeah, and it's obvious that they, they have dreams. They think they're rock stars. Wayne, you know, first purchase he makes with the, the $5,000 is the – the Fender Strat um, at oh, the God. guitar when going, shop. When they're going back and forth about it, like the specs on the guitar and mm-hmm. what she would do with it if she bought it, I'm like, all those. I would things, raise the bridge, file down the nut, take the buzz off the low E. And I'm like, that's you're saying things that that exist and that you could do, <laughs> but it's just it's not like a writer wrote that. Like, of, of course, but at the same time, that's you're nitpicky about that because you know about guitars and and things of that nature. Sure. Um, Pre CBS Fender corporate buyout. Um, yeah, I appreciated that. That was funny. Yeah, it was funny. And Dana Carvey sits behind the drum set 
and goes crazy behind the drum set. And that's, you know, just like Tia Carrere, Dana Carvey is a really good drummer. He did that yeah. whole plays thing guitar, himself. sings. Yep. I mean, he's, he's a super talented dude. We could do a whole podcast just about him. Yeah. And he has fallen off the map pretty hard, right. but yeah, he was, he was very, my favorite character of his is, is the, you know, Garth from Wayne's world movies. Yeah. Now yeah, people sketches, talk about I would church say, lady. A lot. Yeah. The, the church lady sketches were funny. No, he's, Garth. they had their moments, but yeah, he's Garth to me. If I were married to him, I'd call him Garth. I mean, he's Garth. That's just who he well, is. Well, didn't he do the sting, the sting sketch, the chop and broccoli? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that he was a good one did. too. But that was that was a standalone. That wasn't. He it. has some killer T-shirt game in this movie, Van Halen and Aerosmith yep. and Guns N' Roses. Like he's got he's got the best the best T-shirt game period in cinema. Yeah, and much like a character from your favorite cartoon, Wayne wears the exact same thing throughout the entire movie. Yeah, torn jeans, black T-shirt, Wayne's World hat. Yep, absolutely. It's his uniform. Yeah, and. Who walks around wearing clothes of something they're involved in, like a band? That's dumb. That is dumb. I would never do that, you especially never do that. if it was related to the 90s. Yeah, he should have uh, cut the sleeves off of that black t-shirt for sure. Here's to the night.com. Oh, stop. DannyMaze.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure you check that one out, guys. DannyMaze.com. That is, uh, that's the gift that keeps on Make getting. sure you have your volume down if it's at work, if you know what I mean. Oh, boy. But let's talk about Ed O'Neill's character at Stan mm -hmm. Makita's and his quick little one-liners uh, throughout the movie. He's obviously very, very troubled, and he's working in a donut shop. And my favorite is, did you know if you stab a man in the cold of winter, heat will rise from the body? They say it's the soul escaping. Yeah, that's that's what I wrote on the piece of tape that's on the refrigerator at work. Yeah. You just got to let people know that, and they, they didn't know what it was at first. They thought I had come up with it, and I let them think that for a little while. You have to let people know what time it is every now and then, and that maybe you possibly could go off. Well, and that's the best thing now. Like, the people I work with are younger than me, yep. and I'll make these... Preach. Yeah, I'll make these jokes, and they're just... It's a swing and a miss because I'm not in touch with their their uh you know pop culture at this point they're still Pokemons stuck in mine. and here's pac-man video games <laughs> right um so that's a basketball reference which they probably wouldn't even get i wouldn't even get i, I there's there's some we that's what we should talk about one time is all the movies i haven't seen that can be a 12-hour episode yeah you know we could we could do that for a while but with wayne's world it, it's two iconic characters uh they take you for a fun ride uh, there's a lot of cool cameos, especially we've touched on Ed O'Neill. We talked about Chris Farley. We've got Alice Cooper and one of the coolest little segments in the movie. Uh, it's just so out of character that for Alice Cooper uh, when they go backstage. And also, Feed My Frankenstein, pretty cool song. Pretty good song. Love the lyrics. Really speaks to me. Yeah, absolutely. He's like, okay, well, I guess he's hungry. Um, so they go backstage, and I... I, I guess I've never had a backstage pass to a concert like that. I've been backstage, but oh, I didn't know. You a band, you're so important and popular. I didn't say that. I said I've never had a backstage pass, but I didn't think the backstage pass just let you in people's dressing rooms. Like, that seemed a little... You have to be invited much. in. You can have all access and literally go anywhere, but you also, they also reserve the right to not let you in places, and a dressing room seems to be one of those. But that wouldn't have worked for the movie. Right. Of course it wouldn't. Right. But... So they, they get invited into Alice Cooper's 
uh, dressing room mm-hmm. and Alice is totally just blase, like very laid back. And I think Wayne asks him like, so how do you like Milwaukee or is this your first time in Milwaukee? And he goes <laughs> on this little monologue about it. Actually it's pronounced Milwaukee, which is Algonquin <laughs> right. for the good land. The good land. Right. Um, and his band even goes goes into it. He's like, Isn't this an ancient Indian name? Yes, it is, Pete. It's right. <laughs> it's hilarious. Well, and they they schooled these actors and actresses up right too. Everyone buys into the bit and sells mm-hmm. it flawlessly. It's pretty funny. And I read that Alice Cooper, when he came to filming, was under the impression that he was filming the the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, the performance and was going to have one line. And when he showed up, they handed him this monologue that he had to memorize. Yeah. But allegedly, you know, I don't, I read this, I don't know if it's fact or, or not, but he's a big history buff in real life, which right. again, seems very out of character, but mm-hmm. you know, he's playing a character on stage as well. So. Right. Right. I mean, he's, he's not literally eating women. Well, I don't know. Maybe Maybe he is, but yeah. I, well, I think all those uh, those musician art, artsy artsy types have that in them. So I think you know they can they can adapt on the fly. Show up on a movie set and be handed something, and mm-hmm. you know it just happens to be something he can riff on that he's that he was probably interested in. Probably worked out good. But that that goes with the casting. I mean, they know who they're getting and what these people will, you know people are capable of. They they did, and they did an excellent job with casting. Jumping back to. Wayne, you know, the, the little one-liners, the little quips that just make you chuckle when he first sees Cassandra in the club Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're rocking out on stage and they finish their set and she walks off and there's the two guys like having a bar fight Mm -hmm. and they spill a drink on her and she just starts whooping their ass with like spinning roundhouse kicks and back kicks and all this stuff. Right. And she walks up to the bar and... She goes, hey, you're that party time guy from TV, Wayne, right? He says, yeah, rough night, huh? Everybody's kung fu fighting. And he literally makes the face like, oh, I can't believe I, can't believe I said that. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to talk about when he looked at her and uh, they start playing Dreamweaver. Oh, yeah, well, that that too. Um, but one of the things that bothers me about the premise of the movie, and we're getting you know towards the end of the movie, not saying the end of the podcast, but the end of the movie, something I want to touch on is they have this grand plan uh, you know, Wayne goes and he gets Cassandra back from Benjamin mm-hmm. and he's got like the snake. They're shooting the music video. One of my favorite things is we both know that there's no film in this camera and he flips it open and all the film starts rolling So out. much. <laughs> um, the uh, Oscar scene. Well, I don't. What am I supposed to do? I don't mind. I don't mind. Well, I do mind. I mind big time. He's throwing all the water in his face. Right. And they're, they're flashing Oscar clip or Oscar scene at the yeah. bottom. And the worst part is, I never learned to read. <laughs> She's like, is that true? Yes. I'll accept the reading part. <laughs> no, I like no, that. So there, there's a bunch of hidden stuff in the movie, too, that you know, I was when I was watching it earlier today that I forgot about. Like Garth, you know, using a straw on the jelly donut. Yep. You know, that, yep. That, Sta- that, making the, the jelly donut man uh, yeah. and stabbing him and then doing like the psycho stabs and me, all that me. fun stuff. But getting back to the, you know, he gets her away from Benjamin. He's got this grand plan that he's going to get Mr. Sharp, Frankie Sharp, Sharp Records to mm-hmm. see Cassandra performing in his basement. Um, in doing so, you get one of my favorite lines from the entire movie where Garth starts explaining how he's going to transmit the signal uh, to Mr. Big's limo. And you get that mm-hmm. and down into the back of Mr. Big's limo. 
Right. It's almost too easy. Yeah, which is what we say all the time. This movie is so full of one-liners. I mean, yep. I know you and I driving home from shows together. You yep. know, if you're if you're going to spew, spew into this. Zang. Yep. That's and another that's, one. And the most I probably, you know, and also too, I again, I'm in my garage. It's a little echoey. I just removed one side of my headphones and I can hear crickets. It's like I'm camping, you guys. So this is it's very very cozy. <laughs> yeah. Um but the most iconic movie scene of all time is the boys in the car, Bohemian yep. Rhapsody. Yep. yep. I mean, you you just can't beat it. Every every person in this on this planet has acted out that scene with with their friends. Period. Yeah, it, it's it's great, and it really brought Queen to a new generation. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, you know, I'm eleven, ten, eleven when I'm watching this, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I had to have I bought you know, a single cassette. It had Bohemian Rhapsody and then the show must go on. And driving back from Ohio with my mother and my sister, my sister and I got to alternate. It's for lovers out there. Yeah, we got to alternate. Or is that Virginia? uh, Ohio is for lovers, I think is a Hawthorne Heights song. Never mind. Okay. Sorry. Um, Thanks. Uh, Anyway, so we're driving back and we're able to alternate songs. And every time it was my turn, I just kept making them play my cassette. Mm-hmm. To the point where both of them literally screamed at me and said, "No, not anymore." Right. And I said, yeah. "Okay, we'll flip it over and play the other song then." Right. Well, that's quite a power play. Like, okay, it's my turn to listen to something. It's Bohemian Rhapsody, and it just takes <laughs> forever, over and over and over again. Yeah. Okay. Well, so and my, Rhapsody, my parents, yeah. and the next one is November Rain. Right. Um, <laughs> and that. So my parents, they were big Queen fans anyway. So that was about the age, you know. Like I said, I was, you know, eightish. Um, was when I started to pay attention to what my parents listened to, and they were always, you know, always listening to music around me. So I was already a big Queen fan anyway. So when I heard it in the movie, I'm like, oh, my God, actually, you know, real cool people like Queen too, not just my parents. Um, so I was already familiar with the song and the vibe, and, you know, so it just kind of reinforced it for me, and it was, in, and it was fun. That was a, that's, that's a, a very cool scene. And I don't know if it was planned. I don't know if they thought it would be as important and iconic as it was. Um, but it's, you know, like I said, I think that's probably the most memorable scene from, you know, movies, you know, period, I think. Yeah, no, it's definitely memorable. And one of the things is they did so many takes of that, that both Mike Myers and Dana Carvey, like everybody that was in the car, their necks ached so badly from doing all those takes of the head banging. Um, and you can see it later in the film that they're like turning very cautiously, like trying right. not to move their necks as much. Right. Um, but getting back to the <laughs> the Frankie Sharp Sharp records, so you know the the plan comes to fruition, and I think what bothered me the most is that so you're trying to impress somebody and get a record deal by playing a cover song in a basement. Like, wouldn't you want to play like a banger? Something well, you know, it, it utilizes their chops. They they played something they knew they could crush. Yeah, it was Ballroom Blitz. Which, you know, that's the only version of Ballroom Blitz I like. <laughs> Fair enough. You know. Um, so yeah, that, that that just struck me as funny. And when you get to the end, they do the uh, you know, it's very we're much related to Clue the movie, where they have many alternate endings, right? So the first one is just tragic. And he he comes to the house. He's like, yeah, you're very pretty and talented, but it's just not the right time. Right. And then <laughs> Stacy, the, the ex-girlfriend, comes by, 
She's like, Wayne, I'm pregnant. Cassandra's like, you screwed my career. And Rob Lowe's just there laughing. And then sparks start flying. The house burns down. Yeah. I mean, it was like, what is happening? And it was slapstick before, like, slapstick movies were, like, you know, a thing for our generation. And yeah. It, and it just kind of worked. And it, you didn't even bat an eyelash at it because, like, it's Wayne's world. And this is what happens. And we, we did, we forgot about Stacy mm. hitting the car and flipping over it. That's, that's Hi, some funny-ass physical comedy. Hi. And they're like, well, well, she has some good ones, too, right? The, the, the gun rack? Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a gun rack? Right. Yeah. What are a gun do rack. The gun rack. I I literally don't own a gun, let alone many guns that would necessitate an entire rack. What am I gonna do with a gun rack? Yep. You don't like it? Fine. Um, but I did. <laughs> here's the thing. The, she's pretty yeah. hot and in shape, and like, man, she must be really crazy for him to walk away from. Yeah. Um, All the that, hot chicks are crazy, and, to be honest. And when uh, Wayne and Cassandra are on the rooftop, and she's Garth tells her to just move on, find somebody else, and she just finds some random dude and is trying to make Wayne jealous and they're on the roof because Wayne is fluent in Cantonese uh, after listening to tapes for a day and a half. Oh, no. um, yeah. <laughs> so they're talking and she walks by and Wayne gives hello Stacy. And in Cantonese, Cassandra's like, who's that? He's like, my ex-girlfriend. He's like, she has very nice legs, but very low self-esteem. Yep. <laughs> when she goes through the skylight Ends up on the yep. couch. She's like, "Oops." Well, and that, yeah, She's and that's like, Garth, why. Garth, what do you think Wayne's problem is? Uh, your mental. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, so that's why when she's riding the bike and hits the car, she's already wearing the neck brace because she yeah. fall, falls through the uh, the skylight. I remember they showed that in the uh, in the movie trailer. Online yeah. was her was her flipping over the car, and that's just that that draws you in. I think one of my favorite aspects of the movie, and I know we're getting close to the end here. Um, the club that they hang out, uh, Gasworks, was that, mm-hmm. was that the name of it? With the fire sign. With the fire sign. It was literally a fire sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they got the, the, the funny door guy, the, the, the shitty Beatles. Um, and it, it reminded me of, you know, in, in Baltimore, you know, you had the world famous, you know, Hammerjacks nightclub. And, yep. uh, and Thunderdome was a little while after that. They were just seedy little rock clubs um, that – it was before the age of cell phones and the internet and people went out and enjoyed things. There were lines wrapped around buildings. There's three, four bands a night, there's drink specials and they got a pool table too. Mm -hmm. And it's, that's, I wish I was old enough to experience that. Um, Cause you know, with as much into music as we all are, I think we, you and I missed that, you know, by, by a couple of years. I mean, that would have been sick to be a part of. And, you know, and I, we have so many friends that are in the industry and they're, you know, just a, a little bit older than us. And, you know, they tell us about it and you, you see it play, you know, played out in the movie. It's like, man, I would have really liked to have been a part of that, you know? Right. But that's what Gen X got. And that's what makes us Xennials, you know? Yep. No, that's um, absolutely true. It's very, we didn't have the cell phones, but we also didn't get to go to the CD, you know, rock clubs. So, and, you know, by um, and large, they're going to die first. So we win there too. Yeah, for the most part. Yep. I don't know. People make some really bad decisions. Yeah, but yeah, Wayne's World was a super important movie. It touched on pop culture, friendship, and really just the theme of it was is live your life, do what you love, whether it's profitable or important enough to the rest of society or not. And not that they were ignorant, but live blissfully and, simp- and simply with people that you care about and just do and do what you like with people that you love. And it's, you know, 
it, it's, I don't know if that was the aim of it, but that's certainly the vibe. And I think there's something to be said for that other than it being a friggin' hilarious movie. Well, and Steve went straight to the super mega happy ending and skipped the Scooby-Doo and that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Fish heads. Yep. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining us on Truth of Our Youth, the ultimate Zenial podcast. Uh, for Steve Wozniak, I'm Marty Biddick. We will see you, talk to you next time. Later, preppies.